Hello and welcome to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM and WKRM Radio. Your hometown news broadcasting from Columbia, Tennessee. I'm your host, Tom Price. Today is Thursday, December 22nd, and we start with local news. Christmas shoppers in Spring Hill were forced to deal with a difficult traffic situation late last week when the roundabout exit of the crossings to U.S. Highway 31 was closed for a paving project. The Tennessee Department of Transportation project, unbeknownst to city officials, left drivers just one route out of the shopping center, creating delays as long as an hour or more for some. Once word began circulating among city leaders, Spring Hill police sprang into action. A little before 1 p.m. on Friday, officers negotiated the reopening of the exit at the roundabout and began to direct traffic south onto Main Street. The paving project also caused delays on Saturday, but with the notice ahead of time, the Spring Hill Police Department was able to better handle the situation. Former Mayor Rick Graham noted on social media that paving projects are rushed at this time of year before asphalt plants close for the winter. Right or wrong, they are looking to finish their work as paid for by TDOT. The asphalt plants will likely close before this cold front comes in on Friday. Then there will be no paving until the weather improves, he said. While TDOT was the culprit of the closure, some residents wagered the brains behind the operation may have had ulterior motives. I think we're all thankful it's being done, but very poor planning and timing. They obviously put the Grinch in charge of this project, Jennifer Valone commented. Though it would have no bearing on the project that left the weekend shoppers frustrated, the city's board of mayor and aldermen did hear from city staff at its work session earlier this month a plan for future road closures that the city does control. Staff recommended the city take a tiered approach to future road closures on arterial, collector, and local roads for both full and partial closures. While staff has been working on past practice, City Administrator Pam Kasky said there's no concrete guidance on the city's code. Right now, the only place that we have any guidance is in the Special Events Code, so we're acting on past practice, she said. These partial closures are, closures are really as much of an issue as not because it means you have to have flaggers because they're two-lane roads, she said. Most of the road closures have come due to construction and subdivisions, which is something that city staff would be best equipped to handle on most occasions. One of the reasons we are winding up with a lot of road closures is not necessarily because we're doing open cuts, but because they're having to work near right-of-way to put in a headwall for stormwater to place a culvert. Those are also requiring lane closures, which we would call a partial closure, Kasky said. Contractors don't always know when they're going to get to that point. Then they get to that point and they have a two- or three-week wait if the Board of Mayor and Aldermen approved approval is required. Kasky said the city receives two or three requests per week for at least a partial closure. Board members voiced their approval of the system, which would only require board approval for a closure in the event of an arterial closure, full or partial, a full closure of a collector, and any special event closure. Kasky said if city staff were uncomfortable with a closure request, it would likely be denied, which allows for appeal by the Board of Mayor and Aldermen. The U.S. Department of Labor, Wage, and Hour Division investigators found the Spring Hill Nutritional Manufacturer and Packing Company, Armada Nutrition LLC, failed to allow an employee approved for Family and Medical Leave Act protected intermittent leave to return to work. 
Citing their inability to accommodate the protected leave, the employer informed the employee that they could not return to work until their doctor cleared all of their medical restrictions and the leave was no longer needed, a violation of the Family Leave Act. Nutrition Armada Nutrition LLC's violation of the employee rights forced them to take more time off than needed as prescribed by their doctor. The Family and Medical Leave Act protects workers from being forced to choose between keeping their jobs or protecting their health, said Wage and Hour Division District Director Lisa Kelly. Employers who deny workers legal rights and attempt to manipulate those protections to serve their interests are likely to find it difficult to keep valued employees and recruit others they need to operate their businesses, she said. Employers unsure of their unsure of their legal obligations under FMLA or other laws governing their pay practices should contact the Wage and Hour Division, Kelly added. Employers can contact the Wage and Hour Division at its toll-free number 18664-US-WAGE. The division also offers numerous online resources for employers. Workers who feel they may not be getting the wages they earned may contact Wage and Hour Division in their state through a list and interactive online map on the agency's website, located at www.dol.gov. In the Armada case, the employee was awarded back wages recovered and liquidated damages in the amount of $12,652. Columbia State Community College student Brendan Jones has found success in his chosen field of finance. Brendan's military experience gave him the focus and maturity to succeed in a challenging field, and he never wavered, said Holly Brew, Columbia State Associate Professor of Business and Brendan's advisor. He had his sights set on one of the most competitive business schools in the country, and he made his dream a reality through hard work and dedication. Brendan is also a humble, hardworking man who brings a positive attitude to everything he does, she said. A San Diego, California native, Jones attended Escondido Charter High School. After high school, he chose to join the military. During his time at Columbia State, Jones has been a member of Student Veterans of America and chose to major in finance. After extensive research, Columbia State was the best institution for me to get a jump start on my education right out of the military, Jones said. Columbia State provided me the means of gaining an excellent education in finance and to be able to transfer into higher education with ease. Everything needed for success is either a phone call or a mouse click away. They provide every bit of resource available to help you do it, he said. Over the summer, Jones landed an internship with Schneider Electric, a global company that specializes in digital automation and energy management. When Schneider Electric, a multinational company, came calling for an internship last year, Brendan was the first person I thought of, Brew said. It wasn't just his academic success success that made me think of him. It was his professionalism, can-do attitude, and internal drive. Brendan helped forge a new relationship for the college, and Schneider Electric execs were so pleased with its performance that they want to work with Columbia State again, she said. My internship with Schneider Electric was amazing, said Jones. I did not expect to be working for such a prestigious company coming from a community college. Columbia State is the sole reason for my internship. Without their leadership and guidance, I wouldn't be where I am now. There are lots of opportunities for growth at Schneider Electric, and the knowledge is never-ending. I learned something new every day. Lots of formatting on Excel and accounting principles have come into play during my normal workday, he said. Jones was recently accepted into his dream school, the University of Chicago, one of the most competitive business schools in the country. 
Thank you so much to the Columbia State faculty and especially Professor Holly Brew, Jones said. She is the one who pointed me in the right direction for success at Schneider Electric, and I'm very grateful to have been taught by such an esteemed professional, he said. Tis the season of giving, which can come in unexpected ways from unexpected places. As Columbia resident Kelsey Breitner discovered firsthand when a Christmas disaster turned into a surprise blessing. Breitner's daughter, Amelia, or Millie, had one major Christmas wish on her list, and Breitner thought it might not be possible given their lack of trees able to handle such a structure. My six-year-old Millie, that's all she wanted was a treehouse, Breitner said. I looked at all kinds of options on Facebook Facebook Marketplace for the closest thing I could find to a treehouse. But a playhouse might work, she thought, after doing some initial research. Breitner began building, seeking builders online and found a man who offered to purchase the materials and build it. For days, Breitner messaged back and forth with a man talking about plans to build. It was time to send him money, nearly $400. And a few days later, after Breitner had sent the money, she had received no confirmation from the man she contacted who appeared to have his own business linked to social media. Follow-up attempts at communication were met with no response, and the man never showed up. The guy ended up scamming her said Nina Berlin, who helped Breitner through the situation, more an acquaintance from a past job that she hadn't seen in about seven years. Her Christmas gift giving appeared to be ruined for the single mother of three who waited a week to hear from the man with still no reply. Contacting the app she used to pay the man, Breitner found more bad news when customer service explained they could not intervene or retrieve her money due to privacy. I was really upset and didn't know what to do, so I went on Facebook to vent, Breitner said. For me, it was a lot of money. She wanted to warn others not to do business with the man and shared their communication exchanges publicly. Berlin reached out to Breitner, saying that she and her husband wanted to help out. She immediately came to her friend's aid and helped spread the word on social media. All these comments started showing up, Breitner said as she teared up, recalling the moment. People I've never met started commenting. Everyone was just so sweet and wanted to help, she said. Berlin checked on the price of materials again at Lowe's, explaining the situation to the staff, checking on a discount or any way that the cost could be lowered. And she calls me, and she said Lowe's said they would donate everything, Breitner said. Berlin said that though she was helping a friend with her kid, emotions overcame her as well, and she got choked up when she heard the Lowe's manager tell her to just go ahead and get whatever they needed to build for Millie. Breitner said the workers showed up with Berlin's husband and got straight to work, building the entire playhouse in a day. This is better than what she was going to have, Breitner said with surprise. Everyone that is helping is not gaining anything. I don't have words, she said. Breitner, amazed and stunned at the generosity that said the workers and donors turned her Christmas nightmare into a Christmas miracle. And I was just overwhelmed for this child, Berlin said, because now she's going to get her Christmas wish. And our community has come together, Berlin said. I love this community. I love Columbia. I love the people. Love how everyone came together for Christmas like this on such a short notice, she said. Berlin and Breitner recounted the event, saying this is Christmas. This is showing God's love. There is so much bad, Berlin said. We need to love like this more. We really do. With a showing of true community effort, Berlin and her husband helped by organizing builders to construct the playhouse for Millie. Meanwhile, Chick-fil-A donated food and Dunkin' Donuts provided coffee. Monday morning, Breitner invited the Columbia Daily Herald to watch as Millie woke up to see her playhouse for the first time. 
Millie had no idea the surprise would be coming, but upon watching her excitement, she started immediately making interior de decorating plans for a kitchen and a chair to lounge in. Grins and giggles were abundant from the first grader who loves her theater, dancing, and tap classes. She hopes to someday become a big star. Once the initial excitement had calmed a bit, Millie and her mother sat inside the new playhouse, and as she opened kitchen accessories for the house, Breitner shared the heartfelt moment with her daughter, explaining how Columbia turned a Christmas disaster into a Christmas wish come true. Columbia State Community College's prior art gallery will feature a family and sports event with the Art of the Buzz exhibit in conjunction with Chris LeMay's National Electric Football Game Museum in Spring Hill. The exhibit will be open to the public from January 9th until March 3rd. When Chris LeMay, president and treasurer of the National Electric Football Game Museum, visited the prior art gallery and told me about his museum, my eyes opened wide and I said, I remember playing that with my older brother in the 1970s, stated Lisa Hoffman, prior art gallery curator. This began a wonderful collaboration to bring this nostalgic yet contemporary game's history to prior art gallery as LeMay's introductory exhibition of the National Electric Football Game Museum. The National Electric Football Game Museum is a 501c3 nonprofit organization with the specific purpose of educating the public about the game of electric football. The electric football game was invented by Norman Sass in 1948, and in 1967 he signed a deal with the National Football League to include names of players and team colors on the tiny plastic figures. More than 40 million games have sold. Art of the Buzz will exhibit vintage and collectible games by Tudor and Gotham, the early history of the game, current Tudor games, the electric football community, national tournaments, and even have a Titans, Oilers, and Cats section. The art of electric football is a serious matter for many artists who spend hours customizing NFL teams and players throughout football history. The exhibit will feature the works of Kerry Wu, a Season 3 Lego Masters contestant and Nashville photographer who has worked for Google and other clients creating 360 virtual tours. Wu's architectural photography business translated to Lego competitions, and he won three first-place categories at the Nashville Public Library's 10th Annual Lego Contest. His creations include a Nashville cityscape to include the Batman Building, 505 Nashville Building, and a football stadium, which will be on display for the Art of the Buzz exhibition. Ron Mango, an artist and solitaire coach from Murfreesboro, will also be featured. Mango began playing electric football at the age of 12 in 1977 with three teams, the Chiefs, Browns, and Packers. Since then, he has continued to play a solitaire league that is in its 87th season with all 32 NFL teams. He completely hand-painted all his teams, the helmet logos, uniform stripes, and numerals. Also included is Eddie George's football uniform he wore during the last game as the Tennessee, with the Tennessee Oilers from the Pro Football Hall of Fame Museum in Canton, Ohio, and hand-painted electric football figure Heisman winners from Glenn Mischow, project coordinator at EF Heisman Project in Charleston, South Carolina. The opening reception, which is free and open to the public, will be January 19th from 5 to 7 p.m., Featured artist Wu will be speaking about the Lego football stadium he built for the museum. There will also be an artist demonstration by Mango, highlighting the art involved in hand-painting the football figures. Children will have the opportunity to play electric football games. Participants in the tournament can create a team to play, and the winners will receive an electric football game from Tudor Games, as well as a custom trophy created by the National Electric Football Game Museum. The buzz around this game has been resonating with... 
gallery guests, faculty, employees, and students, Hoffman said. This game is a part of Americana, and many of us remember opening it at Christmas or playing it during football season with our parents, cousins, and siblings. The art of the buzz lives on in the artistry and community of those who caught the electric football game fever, she said. The exhibit is free and open to the public. The Pryor Art Gallery is in the Wayman L. Hickman Building on the Columbia campus, located at 1665 Hampshire Pike, and is open Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. For additional information about this exhibit, please visit www.columbiastate.edu forward slash Pryor Gallery or on Facebook at Columbia State PAG. And now your hometown memorials, sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Bobby Thomas T. Tom Simmons, 88, heavy equipment operator for Smith Contractors and a former resident of Columbia, died Tuesday, December 20th at NHC Lawrenceburg. A graveside service will be conducted on Wednesday, December 28th at 12.30 p.m. at Polk Memorial Gardens with Brian Gregory officiating. Military honors will be provided by Herbert Griffin, American Legion Post 19. The family will visit with friends on Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. at Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home. Hometown Memorials is sponsored by Oaks and Nichols Funeral Home, serving with dignity and consideration for over 150 years. As years go by, people may tend to forget just what a funeral is really all about. At Oaks and Nichols, we believe it's first and always a special remembrance of someone you love. We start by listening to your needs and desires. If you're unsure, we can help gently, professionally. At Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, we haven't lost sight of why we're here, to serve Murray County families in the ways they prefer, and why your satisfaction is so important to Jeff Hargrove and Susie Sowell. There's a great deal of satisfaction in serving a family and serving them well. It's an eye for detail and thoughtfulness, and taking the time to see that things are done right. We do have nice facilities and good people, and we work hard to do things well, but we don't want that to intimidate people as to what they think it will cost. Taking care of you is our primary concern. Oaks and Nichols Funeral Directors, 320 West 7th Street in Columbia. Since 1856, people you can rely on. For your southern Middle Tennessee weather, we will have cloudy skies with light rain developing in the afternoon. The high will reach 50 degrees with winds out of the south-southwest south, at 5 to 10 miles per hour. The chance of rain, 90%. Temps are going to drop quickly this evening, and we can expect some snow this evening. That will give way to partly cloudy conditions late. The low will be 1 degree with winds out of the west-northwest at 15 to 25 miles per hour. The chance of overnight snow, 90%. Winds could occasionally gust to over 40 miles per hour. Let's take a break. When we come back, we'll cover state and national news that affect you. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Family first. <laughs> My dad used to tell us that all the time. But family first wasn't just something he'd say to us. It was how he lived every day of his life. And it's how I try to live mine, too. At Shelter Insurance, our agents are dedicated to helping provide personalized auto, home, and life protection that puts your family first. For auto, home, life, or business insurance, see Shelter Agent Tommy Hyde Jr. at 388-2009. 
Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. For 40 years, the Jewelers Bench has worked hard for their customers and provided the highest quality jewelry at the best price. They keep going back. Recent renovations have allowed them to expand their inventory. More high-quality jewelry, custom vintage and estate pieces, and professional jewelry and watch repairs. They also buy gold. The Jewelers Bench, still here, still great service. 808 Trotwood Avenue, Columbia. Hello, this is John McEwen with McEwen Group Real Estate, located at 17A Public Square in beautiful downtown Columbia. Our family has over 40 years' experience selling farms, residential, recreational, and all types of real estate here in Middle Tennessee. Check us out online at McEwenGroup.com or on Facebook and Instagram at McEwen Group, or give me a call today at 931-628-1749. McEwen Group, land is your legacy. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard, so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the stair that only creaks when everyone else in the house is asleep. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. Hello friends, this is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Thank you seems appropriate for this time of year. At Tennessee Children's Home, we have even more to be thankful for this year. We have a new campus and have moved in. We've been overwhelmed by the support you have given us to the move to the new campus. Please continue to support us as we try to pay off this debt. Please go to our website, TennesseeChildrensHome.org, for more information. This is Brian King from Tennessee Children's Home. Adult education in Tennessee, it's more than just a diploma. It's a path to a better life. It's a way to help you communicate more effectively. From high school equivalency classes and testing to English as a second language and college prep courses, there's no shortage of opportunities to enhance the lives of you and your family. Adult education in Tennessee, it's more than just a diploma. Go to TNWorkReady.com to unlock your maximum potential. Brought to you by Tennessee Adult Education, the Tennessee Association of Broadcasters, and this station. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM 101.7 and WKRM 103.7, your hometown source for news and information. I'm Tom Price. And now news from around the state. Nashville City Council on Tuesday approved preliminary terms for a multi-billion dollar deal to build a new and closed stadium for the Tennessee Titans. The council also passed a key bill allowing the city to begin collecting an increased hotel tax, but only if and when final deal terms for the stadium deal are reached and approved by the council. The new city stadium, I'm sorry, the new stadium is not a done deal. The terms approved Tuesday are not binding. Negotiations between the city and the Titans are ongoing and final documents have yet to be released. Metro Council approved the terms 27 to 8 with three abstentions and several amendments. 
The bill authorizing a 1% hotel tax increase passed 27 to 5 with three abstentions. While the council ultimately approved the legislation, several council members expressed concerns over unknown facets of the deal's financing and other details. This represents the first concrete council votes on the proposal, which has been a source of deliberation in Nashville politics since February. The Metro Sports Authority, which would ultimately be responsible for issuing approximately $760 million in revenue bonds to finance the city's portion of the project, unanimously approved the main points of the deal earlier this month. Tennessee Titans president and CEO Burke Nile said Monday the team interprets the approval of the early terms as a signal from Nashville Council members to move forward with the current deal framework. The deal would mean demolishing the 23-year-old Nissan Stadium and building a new and closed $2.1 billion stadium closer to the interstate. New stadium construction would rely on about $1.26 billion in revenue bonds, sales and hotel tax diversions, and state contributions the largest public spend on an NFL stadium to date. Approximately $840 million would come from private funding sources, including the team, $200 million in NFL loans and grants, and personal seat license sales. Nashville Mayor John Cooper called the vote an enormous step toward a better future for Nashville's neighborhoods and families in a statement following Tuesday's vote. As we move forward toward the end of negotiations with the Titans, I remain deeply committed to putting Nashville taxpayers first, and I will not compromise on our core principles, Cooper stated. The team said in a statement Tuesday they appreciate the council's support toward a responsible and sustainable solution to a growing, unfunded taxpayer liability. The Titans look forward to continuing conversations with the city, Metro Council, Sports Authority, and community as they complete discussions in the new year, a representative said via email. The Tennessee Department of Transportation will suspend all lane closures on state highways and interstates during the Christmas and New Year's holidays in anticipation of higher traffic volumes across the state. All temporary construction-related lane closures will be stopped beginning at 6 a.m. on Friday, December 23rd through 6 a.m. on Monday, January 2nd. According to a TDOT news release, AAA expects an estimated 2.6 million Tennesseans to travel between December 23rd and January 2nd, with most of them driving. With so many people expected to travel Tennessee roadways during the Christmas and New Year's holidays, keeping traffic moving and getting everyone to their destination safely is our top priority, said TDOT Commissioner Butch Ellie. As always, please wear your seatbelt, reduce your speed, avoid distractions, and never drink and drive, he said. Let's take one last break. When we come back, we'll cover the final story of the day. You're listening to Southern Middle Tennessee Today. Turner and Osborne Tire Company, 1016 South Main Street in Columbia. Give them a call at 931-388-6822. They've been doing business since 1947 and in their current location since 1964. They provide the best tire and mechanical work at some of the best prices in Middle Tennessee. Hey, they're official Michelin and Goodyear dealers, and they've got all kinds of brands as well. Stop by and see Walker Vining and his professional staff, or check them out online at turnerandosborne.com. That's turnerandosborne.com. 
Hey, this is Derek Ransom with Ten Pin Alley, voted number one family entertainment center in Murray County. We offer 32 bowling lanes, giant arcade, laser tag, bumper cars, and a full cafe and bar menu. We also specialize in group events, kids and adult birthday parties, company parties, sports team parties, and holiday parties. We're located at 322 East James Campbell Boulevard in Columbia. Call us today at 931-381-BOWL or visit us at 10pin.com. Ten Pin Alley, it's where the good times roll. Welcome back to Southern Middle Tennessee today, and now our final story. Temperatures below freezing can cause pipes in your home to leak due to expanded frozen water within. Use the tips that I'm about to give you to avoid indoor flooding and other dangers. When it drops below freezing, you should protect indoor sink pipes that are against exterior walls by opening under sink cabinet doors to allow indoor heat to circulate. During severe cold temperatures, allow one indoor faucet to slowly drip cold water. Select the faucet that is farthest from your front door. To not leave water running in occupied buildings is important, and set your thermostat no longer, no lower rather than 55 degrees day or night, even if you are away. Know where your shutoffs are. If an emergency occurs, you'll need to know how to shut off water at main valves. Protect water pipes from freezing in exposed or unheated areas such as attics, basements, and garages by wrapping them with tape and insulating materials from hardware stores. Drain and remove all outdoor hoses. Caulk around pipes where they enter the house and close all foundation vents to minimize cold wind from blowing into your house. Pipes exposed to drafts from open foundation vents are most at risk of freezing or splitting during cold weather. Close off these vents by sliding cut pieces of wood or styrofoam into the vent openings. Open the vents again in the spring and to prevent dry rot. If you have a separate shutoff valve for outside faucets, now is the time to shut it off. Then go outside and turn on all faucets to drain the water out of the pipes. If you don't have a separate shutoff valve, wrap, wrap outside faucets or hose bibs and shut off and drain in-ground sprinkler systems. It's going to get cold tonight. Hunker down. That's all for this edition of Southern Middle Tennessee Today on WKOM WKRN Radio. I'll be back tomorrow to update you with the latest news. I'm Tom Price. Thanks for listening. Be safe and have a great day.